Southern California. As I understand it, he hails from the great state of Ohio and the wonderful city of Cleveland. So thank you for being with us on a, you know, on a, what I hope was a beautiful day in Cleveland, Ohio. It was a beautiful day, and uh, it's a pleasure being with you, Rick. Let's start the interview simply, Kip. Tell us a little bit, before we get into your book and the other things that I talked about in the open, I'd like to learn a little bit more about you. So can, can you share a little bit about your professional background with our audience? Oh, sure. Um, I uh, got fired from a corporate job and uh, became an entrepreneur and started a company. And uh, it was called Marlowe Surgical Technologies. We, we made and uh, marketed surgical instruments for the field of gynecology and general surgery. Uh, and I ran it for 22 years. We had eight patents, Rick, and we, had, uh, and we ended up selling it uh, to a New York Stock Exchange company in 1997, believe it or not. Seems like yesterday. Right. And what did you do after that? What, just play on your yacht? I retired. Or? You did? Okay. Good, <laughs> no, good for you. I retired for six years and then got really bored because I was too young to retire sure. and uh, decided to come back and do a radio show just called Entrepreneurs Club Radio because my mission is to, my mission in life, as a matter of fact, is to encourage, inspire, and teach entrepreneurship everywhere and every way I can. Uh, and then uh, from the people that I've interviewed on the show, about 250 of them, I wrote uh, a book about 22 of them, and it's their stories uh, of their successes and sacrifices and lessons learned and failures and uh, and secrets to success. And so it's kind of fun. It sounds very interesting. We're going to be talking about your book here just in a minute, and you, you sure, gave us sure. the title, and we'll get back into that in a little more detail. You know, I have to say in my... Um, professional experience and like you i spent a number of years in the corporate world before i finally pulled the plug and became an entrepreneur and that's i knew i always wanted to do it but it took me longer than it took you and uh to, to get to that space but i've been doing this now for about six years now i'm in my sixth year what i've realized Fantastic. thank you what i've realized in business in my opinion the hardest thing to do is to create something from nothing to create a business when there wasn't one there before you started it is more difficult than improving, you know, coming in and being a turnaround specialist or uh, bringing in the secret sauce to have rapid growth. The hardest thing is creating an entity when, before you decided to do it, there was nothing in the space. Uh, Kip, how do you feel about me saying that? I, feel, I think you're absolutely right on. Uh, you've done it. I've done it. I know so many entrepreneurs have done it. It is not easy. Um, you you have to really be persistent in getting something done, but you uh, you hit it right on the head. Creating something in a space where it never was before is one of the most difficult things. It's like hitting a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. I don't know about your situation when you left the corporate world, but I was the you know, president, general manager of a manufacturing company, and I, I had to fight for time in my week for myself because I had so many people who wanted a piece of me, and, you know, I was a big fish in a small pond. We were about $70 million in revenue and all the rest of that stuff. And then I go off in this entrepreneurial track, and it is weird to sit in your office and the phone doesn't ring and the emails don't show up, right? It's like, unless I start pushing this boat away from the dock, I can sit here until my cash reserves run out, and then I'm going to have to go back and find a corporate job. There you go, which you didn't like in the first place. Yeah, I was really. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so so, I'm with you. Okay, I I think you really you really hit it on the head. I've never thought of it that way, by the way, before, Rick. So I think you really hit it on the head. I'm interested in your radio show as well, and and I hope we have time here in in the interview to get to that a little bit later. But let's let's first start by talking about 
the entrepreneurs, success and sacrifice. You gave us a little bit of the inspiration for writing the book, but for those out there who might consider buying the book if they knew a little bit more about it, who's it written for and what will they discover by buying it and reading your book? It's written for um, entrepreneurs and people who are wannabe entrepreneurs. And it's just stories. It's, it's, uh, it's not about business planning. It's not about marketing. It's not about human resources uh, or manufacturing. It's just stories of people's success. And that's what I wanted to do, just have 22 of those stories. Um, it's a quick read. Uh, it's a fun book because it's easy to read it. You can read it uh, you know, a, a chapter at a time, which is very, which are very short. Um, so it's just that was the reason I did it. That was that was what I want to do in life, and that's the way I think I can teach entrepreneurship beyond the radio show. Now, you 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 said twenty two a couple times in that answer, and I I want to make sure I understand. Were you looking sure. for twenty two specific, or what, when you looked at the ones that you wanted to write about, you you were compelled to include twenty two? How did that go, Kip? It was, uh, of all the 200 or more uh, interviews I've done on the radio, and, uh, and of all the, uh, the people I've talked to, the business people I, I, I know, uh, I just picked these 22 stories as inspirational. Some of them got fired, just like I did, and you did. Uh, and finally, they started a company. Um, some of them, one of them got shot once, and stabbed twice, and wow. that told him he's got to find a way out of uh, the neighborhood he was in, and entrepreneurship was the way to go. I was going to say, if that, if so that happened think, if that happened to this company, he has a very violent work culture, if that was at his previous employer. <laughs> it wasn't in the company, okay, no. <laughs> he, was, he, was, uh, he was going to school wow. and decided that uh, uh, he would be a uh, absolute uh, entrepreneur after he was shot once and stabbed twice. He said, that's it. Yes. I'm getting out of here, and if entrepreneurship is the way I can do it, then that's what I'm going to do. Excellent. And he started a company. You know, we, we've got about a minute before our first commercial break, Kip, but I wanted to sure. ask you if you can answer this in a minute. It may not be fair, but, uh, you know, there is the stereotypical entrepreneur, and I won't describe the qualities, but let's say they're type A. In your interviews that you've done and the, the book that you've written, uh, do you find there is a t- stereotypical entrepreneur, or do you find that, uh, you know, they range? Rick, they come from all walks of life. Uh, uh, most of them uh, do not have any money. So that's one thing that they have in common, at least when they start their companies. Um, they uh, Some have ADD, some are PhDs, some didn't even graduate from high school. Uh, and so there's, so there's so many different backgrounds to these people that you can't really pinpoint it. I was thinking the same thing, Kip, that, <laughs> that really, you know, and, and people like you who know who work with entrepreneurs, anybody can be an entrepreneur if you have something that you believe in passionately and you're you have a business sense about you or you're willing to learn business is my experience and there have been so many people who through this recession have lost their jobs and if they're a middle-aged or you know an upper uh, senior executive if i get a chance to talk to them many times i ask them the question is there a business you can get into versus getting back into the corporate world especially you know if you're over 50 that's really a, a risky thing to do. I, I almost think being an entrepreneur is a better long-term strategy for some of these people. I think you're right. I, I think you're, you probably have, have more security being an entrepreneur than you do in the corporate world today. 
It's a false sense of security, isn't it? Because they can let you go yes, in a is. day. <laughs> All right. Well, my engineer is saying enough already. It's time for the first commercial break. So Kip Marlowe, uh, author of The Entrepreneur's Success and Sacrifice, will be right back with you after these words from our sponsors. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Kip Marlowe is our first guest. He's the author of Entrepreneurs, Success, and Sacrifice. We're going to be right back to him in a minute. But first, I'd like to thank and acknowledge our loyal listeners who download our show as a podcast. In the past 30 days, you've downloaded over 12,000 episodes of Critical Mass Radio Show and the other shows in our series. We here at the program thank you for your continued support. All right, as I said, Kip Marlowe is our first guest today. And, Kip, I wanted to ask you, can you discuss from your perspective the role of small business in today's economy? Oh, absolutely. The role is vital. You take a look at, uh, at, at all the little little cities around the country, and the backbone of the economy is small business. There's an enormous amount of impact by big businesses in certain areas, but most of the country, Rick, have, have uh, a plethora, millions of small businesses that do most of the new hiring, uh, have most of the innovation, invent new products, and so on. So they, it's vital. It's a, it's a vital cog. Without small business, uh, we'd all be in serious trouble. You know, I heard on, the, um, on another radio network t- uh, earlier today, they were talking about the Fed and the decision that they made to continue with their quantitative easing. And they were saying mm-hmm. that a part of that, they believe, is the intention of the Fed to get money in the hands of small and mid-market companies by trying to put more money in the marketplace. And I thought, well, that's kind of the first time that I've sort of heard that that perspective. And if that's truly the case, then I applaud their efforts because for many of the business owners and entrepreneurs that I work with here in Southern California, access to capital is still a restraining factor in their ability to grow their organizations. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I think that's the both 
biggest restraining factor. It used to be, at least when I you know, uh, started my business, I, got, I just took a mortgage on my house. Right. Uh, or, and many people over the over the many years took an equity line of credit on their houses. Now, in many cases, their houses are underwater, and they can't get an equity line of credit, which was probably the number one way to finance a company. So uh, that's a huge, huge factor. We've gone to crowdsourcing, which are companies that um, help you raise money $50 at a time. Uh, we certainly can't count on the banks yet to really get involved. Uh, the SBA is, uh, is slow. So um, it's very difficult. It's a, getting money is extremely difficult, especially when you try to grow your company and you need to buy a new truck or you need a new piece of equipment or something like that. It's a tough go today, and that's probably one of the biggest headwinds in starting a business. And as far as I can see, Rick, and you've probably seen this too, there, there are not as many startups today as there was even 10 years ago. People are not starting businesses. They want to. Many are sitting in cubicles uh, in a corporation saying, oh, my God, how am I going to get out of here? <laughs> and, uh, and they want to start a business, but they just don't have the resources to do so at this point in time. I agree, and I think it's for a variety of reasons. But at the center of that dartboard, the circle in the middle, is the ability to access the capital, either their personal wealth, the wealth in their home, their ability to bar against their personal wealth, or getting a bank, maybe even a community bank, interested in supporting their vision. So I, I'm glad to hear that if that's one of the reasons why we continue this economic policy of the Fed, then I guess I can support it if, in fact, it gets money in the hands of the people who are truly the job creators in this economy because most small businesses get by with just enough people to get the work done, and if they get more demand, they have to hire more people because they, they don't have a lot of excess, you know, especially after what we've gone through. So, you know, I wanted to ask you, earlier we said, you know, entrepreneurs come in all different shapes and sizes and skill sets, etc. <laughs> yes. But But I know that you have a, an experience and an understanding of, say, the common characteristics seen in successful business owners. So can, can you share from your perspective those characteristics? Yeah, I can, Rick. It's 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 so funny. When I ran a company, I was kind of in a company fog, so I didn't learn as much about entrepreneurship really uh, until I started to interview all these entrepreneurs uh, on the radio show and in and, and other areas. And, and I found that all of them are continuous learners. Uh, they they always are reading some business book, or they belong to a peer review group. Uh, uh, like a Vistage or, or something along that line, or mastermind groups. Uh, so it was, I think it was uh, in your neighborhood, John Wooden, the, I think it was a UCLA basketball coach. Um, he's got a great quote, and it's, it's, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. So you can go to college, you can, you know, you can, you can get good grades and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's only, that's the, only the, when you graduate, that's only the beginning of your education. Right. And for entrepreneurs, uh, continuous learning is a huge key. As you know, so many companies and so many marketplaces uh, have to change on a dime. Technology is changing. When I was in business, the product life cycle was seven years. Now I'll bet you it's three. So you've got to be on your toes. You've got to know what's going on out there. 
Yeah, I'm always impressed. That I'm sorry. Uh, go, go ahead. When I, uh, the interviews that I conduct with technology-based companies or companies that offer a service that's based on an underlying technology, the rate mm-hmm. of change for those people, that it's a different, it, it runs at a different heartbeat than many other companies. And if, if you've never been in the technology space, it, you can't really appreciate the extra challenges that they face because of main, having to maintain a relevant product given how much investment's going into their space and the great ideas, you know, the innovation. You know, the downside of having a very innovative in- industry is, as being a participant of that, you're on a treadmill of having to keep your company viable because other people are trying to basically put you out of business with new innovation. Look what happened with um, the BlackBerry. The what? They own the marketplace, I think, in, in, at least in North America, and all of a sudden this little company called Apple comes out with the iPhone. Um, that just that was that was like a a blow to the solar plexus for the BlackBerry company. Uh, so that's just that's only one thing as far as high tech and and, and uh, uh, high tech products changing fast. Right. And and now even Apple is losing some market share to Samsung. So it's a it's a fast moving world out there. And when I retired and came back from retirement. Um, I found that the pace of business today, and Rick, you see it, you probably see it every day, is much faster than it was when I was running a company. It's quick. It's emails and texts and websites and, and stuff like that. So you got to be ready for it. Yeah, you know, and as an entrepreneur, I actually prefer that because I'm the kind of person that after um, I've come up with an idea or been exposed to a good idea, I want to implement it as fast as possible. And, 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 and in this world, you can, with light speed, with all technology and social media and all this stuff, you can move into a market very quickly if you focus on it. And I, I prefer that versus the day when I used to have to hand in my handwritten documents to the typist who would then give it back to me in an hour or two for my review, only to send it back to her. To, you know, it's like, oh, my God, I don't know how the hell business ever got anything done back in those days. You are so right. I do remember those days real well. Yeah. I've got only a few minutes left with you, Kip, and we a lot of things here I want to talk about with you today. I've got four sure, minutes left. Sure. But I wonder if you could discuss the five basic tips you would give to an entrepreneur who's listening to the show today or maybe as a podcast off of Stitcher or iTunes in the future. If they want to start their own business, can you give them five tips to help them? Well, I probably can give them more, but um, I think you got to tell them up front that their life will never be the same. If they put both feet in the water and, or, and start to swim, it's, it's going to be a, a different kind of life. Uh, I think also they, they should not be afraid. So many people fear failure, and actually, to be honest with you, Rick, I failed my way to success. I screwed up every day. And somehow I adjusted and became relatively successful. Um, so I think those are two of them. Uh, I also think that you really, uh, in, a, in the beginning, you don't need a lot of money to start. Uh, you can bootstrap certain companies, uh, meaning that you can you can take it a day at a time. Don't take any money out for a while uh, for yourself. Uh, be very careful and buy used equipment, things like that. Uh, you can start that way. And, and so I would highly recommend people that, that don't think they have any money, 
give it a give it serious thought anyway. Uh, I think they also the also uh, they need to get the right people on the bus, and they do that. The successful ones absolutely do that. They get the right people and they hire them right, and they get a good mixture and a good company culture, and it and it works pretty well. Also, you don't need a Harvard MBA, by the way. I don't know if I'm insulting you, Rick, but um, you know, you really don't need a Harvard MBA. I didn't need that Harvard MBA. I didn't get. That's right. You yeah. really don't. There's many people to be to think. Oh my golly! The only thing is, we gotta, we have to, uh, we have to go get our MBA from uh, wherever Harvard or wherever a big Wake Forest, you know, a big school, Penn or something like that. You really don't have to do that. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter depending on what you're getting into. And one last thing. I know there's only little time left. Right. One of the most important things that that they sh- that anybody contemplating going into business to do is make sure your spouse or significant mm-hmm. other is on board. Amen. Because if you don't have the support at home, uh, that'll ruin your company. You are so. That is. Yeah, I'm glad you saved the most important one for last because I. Uh, I, there's an entrepreneur sitting across the table from me. Actually, two here in the studio with me right now, and they're <laughs> nodding with approval uh, on that point. So uh, I know we talked about your book earlier in the interview, but if people would be interested in reading these 22 stories of entrepreneurship, how do they find your book? They can get it at Amazon.com. Just uh, uh, type in The Entrepreneur's Success and Sacrifice. It's uh, it's in audiobook form. It's in Kindle form. And uh, obviously, it's also in print form. So uh, they can get it in any way they desire. I need to ask you. And it's inexpensive. It's like $14.50, a piece on Amazon. Okay. I was, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I was interested in the audiobook part of it. Uh, it, can you share with us relative to the three different platforms, you know, the paperback, the Kindle mm-hmm. version, or the audio, how popular is the audio version versus the other two? Um, it's it's uh, for business people, they love the audio version. In fact, I, in fact, Amazon doesn't uh, like selling CDs anymore. So what they do is uh, let somebody else do sell the CDs. So if you go, if somebody wants a CD book, an audio CD, they can go to my website at ecrsuccess.com and buy it there. It's ten ninety five. Okay. Well, you know, Kip, this is great. I. Um I uh, really connected to your experiences and your kind of the arc of your career and your life. We have many parallels, and I want to wish you continued success. Think of us the next time you author a book or generate something that would be appropriate to our audience of business owners and executives here in Southern California, across the country, actually, in fact. But uh, is, is there any other way that people can get in touch with you that I didn't think to ask before I closed the interview with you today, Kip Marlowe? Oh, they can email me at kip, K-I-P, at teca, T-E-C-A, club.com. Well, I want to... Or go to the website, ecrsuccess.com, and uh, um, take a look at uh, some of the articles about the book on there. All right, my friend. um, Thank you for being a friend of the program. Welcome to the Critical Mass Business Community. And again, keep us in mind for your future successes so you can come and share them with our audience. I appreciate your time. It's a deal. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a good day. You too. All Bye-bye. right. That wraps up our first segment here on Critical Mass Radio Show. We're going to take a quick break. Our engineer's got a couple of commercials queued up as well as a short news break, and then we're going to come back with our second guest. So don't go anywhere. We're going to be exploring the fascinating world of Killer App Factory. 
Stay tuned. We'll be right back. The Orange County Business Journal has ranked Commerce National Bank the 26th fastest-growing public company in Orange County, and they remain a Bauer Financial five-star institution. President and CEO Mark Simmons attributes the success to how well the bank treats its customers and employees. Commerce National Bank simply delivers personal service at a higher level than its competitors, while offering technology on par with the big banks. If your organization could use a new business bank, call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit them online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank, and they will handle the rest. Got stuff to the right, more stuff to the left. Got enough stuff, but I can't take a step. So I smart stopped and took a minute to think. I need a little better spot, not under the sink. With Smart Stop, I leave the stress at the door. Cause it's the smarter way to store. Smart Stop bucks the system. Your first month's rent is just a buck. Your next three months are half off. Call 888-97-STORAGE and mention this station. Goodbye clutter, hello floors. Smart Stop, the smarter way to store. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. My name is Rick Franzi. I am your host, and I would like to thank the business owners, entrepreneurs, and CEOs who listen to our show every week. If your business is interested in reaching top decision makers in companies with about $2 million to $30 million worth of revenue, not only here in Southern California but across the country, then maybe advertising on our radio program is the right answer for you. If you would like to learn more about advertising here on Critical Mass Radio Show, then contact our advertising department at area code 949-887-4104. All right, I've been promising you our second guest for a while now, and I told you he would be honest about halfway through the program, and he is. I have Tal Galan on the show, and he is the CEO of Killer App Factory. Tal, welcome to the program. Wonderful to see you, Rick. It's good to see you. Uh, full disclosure, I met Tal when he and I were judges for business uh, competition, business planning, different uh, programs, and he was a judge and I was a judge, and we struck up a conversation and a relationship, and now here we are a month or two later, and probably two months now, how time flies. Sure. It was earlier this year here in Southern California, but that's not important. What's important is your background. Talk to the audience a little bit about your professional experience, kind of the different things that you've done to set up the interview that we're going to have with you today. Rick, I'm a serial entrepreneur, so it was particularly great for me to hear the advice that just came from Kip. Great stuff. Thank you. Uh, absolutely fantastic. A terrific interview and really valuable things, stuff that I've certainly lived through, advice I suppose I've given it sometimes, and things that if people are out there starting something new, it was good, good things to hear. I have been a security guy on the internet since uh, the mid-1990s, primarily focused on the security of messaging, which has really become very important these days. Uh, you know, the NSA has, these leaks have given people reason to have suspicion. Right. And so I've been involved in security, securing uh, network inter enterprise networks, uh, helping individuals, and things of that sort for a very long time. Mm -hmm. So my exposure is all about security. I've invented some security technologies. And above all else, relevant to critical mass, I'm an entrepreneur who's you know been on that roller coaster for a very, very long time. 
and that's a great way to describe it because I think people who've never been an entrepreneur don't understand that it is a roller coaster. Never, every it's it's never always good or always bad, right? There's always something as an entrepreneur, regardless of what's going on in a day to day business, that either causes you concern or causes you optimism. Yes, and you, and you have to be able to deal with that as a person. Or maybe being an entrepreneur is not right for you. Maybe you need to be in the belly of a big corporation or something with a little more uh, surety to it, you know, certainty. Absolutely. As an entrepreneur, you have to be optimistic almost all the time, even when things are as dark as they possibly can be. Right. Otherwise, you don't get yourself out of bed in the morning. Right. Because we were talking about it uh, earlier in the interview that I was doing with Kip, is that I think it's the hardest thing to do in business is to create something from nothing create an entity in the marketplace because the world doesn't know it needs what you're doing and only you know as the first entrepreneur what you could really do for people but convincing them can be a long tough tough job absolutely you have to create it first and then you have to convince right and it's absolutely uh, certainly one of the most difficult things i can imagine and certainly in business you have to take something and make it out of nothing absolutely well let's talk about your firm then Tell us about Killer App Factory. I love the name. Thank you. Tell us what it... I think I even may know what it does, but maybe I'm wrong. Talk to me about Killer and our audience about Killer App Factory. Killer App Factory, at its most basic, is about helping enterprises or individuals who would like to become enterprises create killer apps for the Internet. Hmm. So for me, I've always believed that Email was the original killer app. Right. Email was the original social network. Right. Email was the original communications mechanism that gave us the internet connectivity, interconnectivity that we have today. So understand, I am a little bit biased in that area, but so many things have stemmed from the original days of basic email communication. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, video conferencing, all of these things got got their roots there. So I've been telling people for a long time the original killer app is all about email. So what I've done over the course of the last uh, 15 or 20 years is help enterprises learn from my experience keeping that important channel of communication moving. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, allowed me to work with people in e-commerce, helping to make communications smoother and you know, reduce the friction for purchasing, mm-hmm. for example. It's all about communication. And really, that's what Killer App Factory is all about from, its, from a marketing perspective. We help people understand that you need to develop awareness if you're going to create demand, which is going to create sales. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, communication is everything. Right. And then we have a handful of security technologies and platforms that we try to help people use and optimize and make their businesses work better, faster, cheaper, safer. It seems the concept of a killer app is getting harder. You know, we were talking earlier with the interview with Kip. You know, if you're in a technology space, things are accelerating. And I agree with you. I never thought of it that way, but I agree with you completely. Email was the first reason why I started to use the Internet because it was the first application that required me to change my behavior in a meaningful way that I never went back away from, right? Sending emails. I mean, I remember when we started, it was like, what the hell is this? is amazing, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, now in this day and age with so much technology in your hand, even just to come up with the idea of a killer app that has any amount of staying power seems to me to be a really big challenge in today's marketplace. It's a tremendous challenge, 
And I would suggest to people that it's impossible to start out and imagine that you're going to have a viral hit. <laughs> that's a high, yeah. That's a high bar, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. You, you, if you if you go out thinking that I'm just going to Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn my way to success, you got no chance. It's not about if I build it, will they come? You have to build it. That's a prerequisite. Right. But simply building it doesn't really mean anything. You have to put into your application all sorts of things that are not sexy, that are not interesting. You have to make your thing safe. You have to make your thing secure. Right. And you have to be able to communicate the message as to what the benefits of your particular application are Uh ahead of the features, which is something that I think people don't necessarily understand. Everybody wants to talk about the bells and whistles. Especially in technology, right? Absolutely. So proud of it. Sure. The fins that I have on my Cadillac. <laughs> yeah. Right? But what do those fins really do? doesn't do you any good. In today's world, you really have to talk about the benefits in order to create that understanding that what you have is a potentially killer app. Okay. So I'm trying to help people turn the paradigm around a little bit to make it more likely that they can put themselves in a position to be struck by lightning. I tell, you know, so from that, that message is, I can't tell you where the lightning's going to strike, but I can tell you if you stand under a tall tree and you're in a lightning storm, you got a better chance. Right. So that's what I'm helping people to do, try to put themselves in a better chance to get struck. My engineer's telling me we need to take a commercial break, and we're going to take it after I have this chance to say something, because I want to build on what you said before we take our commercial break. It would, as I was listening to what you're, the value you give to your entrepreneur clients, it would be a shame if some entrepreneur could build the potential for a killer app only to not be able to capitalize on it because they don't have security built in, because they don't have a scalable architecture, because they don't make it easy to communicate. I mean, that would be a sin, right? How do, It's like having the lottery numbers, but you didn't play that night, right? You Every year, forever, you play, and then one day you don't do it, and that's the day the numbers come up. It would feel like, how would you ever come over that? that to me, that would be unbelievable if, if Young entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs only focus on the the potential for the killer app without putting the basic plumbing and foundation underneath it to make sure they can take advantage of it should it hit. And it happens every day, and it's probably more common than anything else. Wow. Okay. Let's. Interesting. All right. Let's take our third and final commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. And when I come back with Tal, we're going to continue to have a ranging conversation, both about him as an entrepreneur and also his company, Killer App Factory. But first, these words from our commercial sponsors. The Orange County Business Journal has ranked Commerce National Bank the 26th fastest-growing public company in Orange County, and they remain a Bauer Financial five-star institution. President and CEO Mark Simmons attributes the success to how well the bank treats its customers and employees. Commerce National Bank simply delivers personal service at a higher level than its competitors, while offering technology on par with the big banks. If your organization could use a new business bank, call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863, or visit them online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank, and they will handle the rest. I got stuff to the right, more stuff to the left. 
got enough stuff, but I can't take a step. So I smart stopped and took a minute to think. I need a little better spot, not under the sink. With Smart Stop, I leave the stress at the door, because it's the smart old way to store. Smart Stop bucks the system. Your first month's rent is just a buck. Your next three months are half off. Call 888-97-STORAGE and mention this station. Goodbye clutter, hello floors. Smart Stop, the smarter way to store. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Tongalon is my guest. He is the founder and CEO of his company, Killer App Factory Incorporated. I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, if you're an entrepreneur or you know an entrepreneur and they're not listening to the show today, you need them to listen to the archive, the podcast, when we have it available. And that will be later this week on our website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com. Go to the media area. You'll see the uh, radio show archives, and right there you'll be able to find today's show uh, probably within 48 hours. And I would encourage you to... Tell your friends and maybe people who want to be an entrepreneur to listen, to learn from the experiences of Kit Marlowe, our first guest, and Tal Golan, our second guest. You know, off air we were talking about your blogging, and it makes me think earlier when you were saying how important it is to be able to communicate well. And I think for most entrepreneurs, a blog is really a powerful communication mechanism. Can you share a little bit of your experience with blogging and kind of either support or dispute that point? Oh, it's absolutely critical. Uh, As I was saying, not everybody is as smart as you, Rick, and put together a radio program and has had this running for such a long time. Being able to communicate to people directly is absolutely essential for them to understand how you think. If somebody wants to know what you're trying to do or are you a good person to work with, they can talk to you and you can discern that. Blogs, and specifically blogs, because they're a medium-length format. Usually you don't write very long things. And it's not Twitter. It's more than 140 characters, right? right? So in a blog, you can write about what you feel, write about what you're thinking, and people have a real opportunity to understand where you're coming from. Mm. And it's absolutely essential. The world we live in today is filled with these very short spurts of messaging, short spurts of information, uh, headline news and talking heads and news breaks. Very difficult to really understand what's important or what's important to somebody from those sorts of formats. Right. You sit down and write something, maybe it's 500, maybe it's 1,000 words, it has staying power. Uh, You can't run away from it, and when people read it, they really have a chance to understand what you're talking about. You know, a picture speaks 1,000 words, but 1,000 words speaks 1,000 words. Right, and and it's long enough to force you to organize your thinking. The power of the blog, too, because it's it's worth reading because it's not easy. You know, a lot of people don't stay disciplined about blogging because of the perceived effort that it takes. But I think if you hold yourself to that standard and you commit to blogging on a regular basis, you also, I think the benefit that comes back to the individual is you kind of organize your thoughts around topics as well. You know, it, it allows you to be a better communicator by forcing you to be a disciplined communicator. Absolutely. One of the things that's also interesting is making sure you keep your personal blog and you also make sure that you bring back things that you write in other places to your personal mm-hmm. blog. So for me, I'm uh, in you know full disclosure, I'm my own worst enemy. I've been writing a lot lately in other places and my own personal blog, I haven't taken my posts from other places and put them back into my own blog. So 
you know, this is happening, it's really embarrassing. You got to go out and find my writing away from my right my homepage, which should be the vault for all of it, right? It, and but yeah. that's that is the word, Rick. It should be the vault. Don't forget the things that you write, no matter where you write them, are important. And the only person you can count on to save that information is yourself. Right. So everybody should be blogging. You should be writing all over the place as much as you can. And but just make sure you bring it all back to your central repository so you never lose it. And I think since we're sort of theming around being an entrepreneur on today's program, which is great, I think it's one of the competitive advantages of being an entrepreneur against larger competitors because mid-market and certainly large institutions still haven't gotten comfortable, for the most part, with how they allow their top executives to talk unfiltered to to the community, right? They go through the publicist or the marketing department and that stuff gets so sanitized in most cases by the time it actually gets posted you can read it and go really did the ceo are these really her thoughts or are they handled the handler's thoughts right but an entrepreneur you have an idea you can post it you can create a community around that you can start a conversation you can take some chances that your bigger competitors by the time they turn their boat around you've already gotten at least maybe the early movers the first mover advantage right and so i encourage all entrepreneurs Put your message out in the marketplace, and I agree with you. I think blogging is one of the best ways to do it if you're going to commit to being a disciplined blogger. Absolutely, 100%. Great advice, and it's something that everybody should be doing and doing more of than less of, for sure. So how do you know if you're a developer uh, and you're an entrepreneur that that your application has killer app potential? You know what I mean? How, are there are there any in your experience working with these people? Are there any early signs or things that you would notice that maybe I wouldn't notice that they should be paying attention to that says, hey, you know, you really have something here? Because I'm always fascinated about at what point does someone realize, wow, this is this is way bigger than we ever thought it was going to be, and you know, let's get a, let's really get behind this idea now because we hit a home run here potentially. Yeah, absolutely. The, the the most important thing is to make sure the thing that you're creating is scratching your itch. What I would say to people, and I, I, and it happens so often, and I see it in things that I've been doing recently, the ability to solve every problem is impossible. Yes. Can't do it. No. But you can solve specific problems. If you can identify something that is a problem that you face every day, and you can solve that problem really, really well, it doesn't matter if anyone else around you necessarily understands the problem because likely the people that you're going to talk to aren't going to understand your same problem. But probably there are enough people out there who have the same itch that you have. You may be on to something, whether or not your immediate circle of friends, family, people around you understands that. So it's a modification of to thine own self be true. Yes. If you've got a pain... Solve it. Put it out there. There's a very good chance that there's other people that have the same problem, and they're going to be all over you. That's a that's great perspective, and it leads me to think everybody has the potential to be an entrepreneur because we all have our own set of challenges that we're dealing with. It's really reframing it in how do I solve this problem for myself that many people either don't think about or... They think about, they have a good idea, and worse, they take no action against solving, moving forward as a business, right? For either they're afraid of it or they don't understand what the next step is. But it sounds like in that model, Tall, 
anybody listening to the program today or in the future as a podcast could say, well, I could be an entrepreneur because I, I have problems. Can I solve any of them in a way that would make me money? Yes. The only people who can't be entrepreneur are people that are entrepreneurs or people that have no problems. <laughs> so you, and they don't need to be an right. entrepreneur. Hey, they have no problems. Why would they want the problems of being an entrepreneur? And they definitely don't want those problems. <laughs> so if you've got something, if you've got an itch that you want to scratch, get out there and do it. The, the thing that stops most people is fear. Right. And um, inertia. Right. They they are afraid, and they are afraid to move. It's what they don't know. They don't know. Sometimes you know when when I wrote my first book, I didn't know how to, and I wanted to self publish it. I had to learn that process. But what I found is people came into my life, either intentionally because I was per- saying I needed help, or just heard that I needed help that covered my gaps. And so they rallied around me and they helped me. Now I'm one of those people. If I hear somebody who wants to write a book, and what I think is keeping them from doing it is they don't know how to get from the idea in their head to the print book on the shelf or on, in the warehouse at Amazon, I I can give them one way to go, do that. It may not be the way they ultimately choose to do, but at least it starts them. It's easier to improve than to create. So at least if I can give them a roadmap, they can go, well, you know what? I don't want to use Paul Roberts as my editor. I'd rather use this person as my editor. Fine, then don't, do, don't use Paul Roberts. But if you wanted to... I can help you get that all, all that stuff done. It is amazing to me if you just take that first step, what life will bring back to you. Yep, that's absolutely right. And, you know, that, that sounds like Confucius. We're right? deep here on Yeah, the, huh? we're deep here on Critical Mass uh, right. radio show. Right. So, yeah, but that's, and that's, it goes back to, to Confucius. I mean, you got to take that first step. And most people have lost because they won't take the first step. And as an entrepreneur, you have to take that step every morning. Abraham Maslow, who did a lot of um, research around psychology and psychiatry and came up with the uh, hierarchy of needs, and that was probably one of the things that he's most famous for, Abraham Maslow, he said if he was going to solve a problem in a country, he wouldn't send economists in, he wouldn't send academics in, he wouldn't send government officials in, he would send entrepreneurs in because they will find a way given the resources that are available in that community to solve the problems that are presented to that to those people in the community. I thought, wow, that's a that's a nice way to look at entrepreneurs, isn't it? But that's true. Think how great so much of our life is because of entrepreneurs. Well a and you know, to to state take something that was attributed to the late great Moshe Diane in Israel. He was asked if you could have any American generals to come to the aid of your country, which which generals would those be? And he said, uh, General Motors and General Electric. <laughs> so, uh, granted, they were entrepreneurs yeah. at one point. Back in the day. Yeah. Right. And, but, but the point is, it's, the, it's people who are creating things and moving things forward that uh, make it possible for economies to thrive and people to work and the, you know all those sorts of things. So. so if there are entrepreneurs or budding entrepreneurs out there who are connecting to the level of the conversation that we're having, uh, what kind of people do you feel that you could help? Who listening in the audience should think about engaging you or learning more about your company, Killer App Factory? So there's you know two, two types of two types of people. There's people who are they've got that itch that they're trying to scratch, and they've put together a little bit of. Uh, capital to make sure they can get that done. I can help and Killer App Factory can help make sure their things are going to present well when it comes to making them available to the mass market. Like we've said, we want to make sure the benefits are there. I can help. We can help you with that. Larger enterprises 
are also very ripe these days. And this is, you know, from my perspective, what I am looking for the most these days are larger enterprises that realize that entrepreneurship needs to be brought back within the the hollowed halls of these behemoths. Right. It's happening, or it's allegedly happening, in places like Google these days. They want to be more entrepreneurial. You hear about those sorts of things. A killer app factory, we're very, very good at helping people bring that spirit back. Mm. Uh, some people call it a culture. I would say it's more about being, uh, it's a mindset, and it's tactical and strategic things that you do to make sure that you're thinking in the right way as well as doing in the right way. People from all different areas of business, from the very small to the very large. Personally, I'm particularly interested in virtualization, data, large-scale database, mm-hmm. and security. So when I'm out on engagement, those are the things that I like to focus on. But as a you know, as a growing and going concern, Killer App Factory is interested in helping people at all uh, all levels. Excellent. And if someone would like to learn more about your firm, how do they find you online? KillerAppFactory.com, spelled exactly the way it sounds, K-I-L-L-E-R-A-P-P-F-A-C-T-O-R-Y.com. My blog is available at TalGolan.com, T-A-L-G-O-L-A-N.com. So they can check me out there and... You'll find ways to contact me. I'm on Twitter, uh, at Talgolan. So looking forward to hearing from anybody and everybody. I would encourage uh, most of the people that listen are business owners, CEOs, and executives. Great. We do have people that are working in companies who are have entrepreneurial spirits in them, and I think today's episode is perfect for those people because I, I can't encourage those people enough to get out of the corporate world and bet on themselves because there's a bigger multiplier on your own efforts than through other people, in my opinion, in this area. And um, I think you would be a great resource for a number of those, as well as the larger institutions you mentioned. So, Tal, thank you for being a friend of the program. It's great to have you on the show, and welcome to the Critical Mass community. Thank you so much, Rick. That's going to do it for this episode. I'd like to thank Paul Roberts, who is our engineer for today, Rachel Franzi, who is our producer. I'd also like to thank Kathleen Shepard for her guest coordination. She does a great job. And Kelly Faltus, who is our marketing communications manager. This is Rick Franzi. I am your host. And until the next show, I'd like to say, here's hoping that all of your decisions will move your business in a positive direction. You've been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show right here on Orange County's only community radio station, OCTalkRadio.net.